Welcome to the Zulu Time podcast, a straight talking conversation between two watch enthusiasts about the world of military watches. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Zulu Time podcast with your hosts, Dan from at Timely underscore moments and Darren from at Zulu Alpha Straps. Danny boy. The pipes, the pipes. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too shabby, mate. Not too shabby. Been up that much? How's the uh, busy work week or you're off? Uh, dream? It's that weird, you know, when you're, it's kind of busy, but overall in the week, it's obviously not. It's a bit of a lull in the battle, as it were. But yeah. it's all, it's busy because it's getting, it's got that period now. Uh, and it's synonymous with, military units around this time of the year where it's get everything closed down go on summer leave so it's busy because it's that pre-summer break admin before people cl- kind of close down for a few weeks you know what i mean and then come back in yeah, so yeah. Busy, it's so not all the odds and sods and the bits yeah, of shit that you've been taking off yeah. exactly that yeah so it's that kind of week mate um and then we have one more week in officially and then a few people will be floating through august as it were and you know, it'll be um, a nice time to have some time away from from work, as it were, and for the whole unit, kind of, you know what I mean? So we've got no one in, which would be quite nice for them as well. So, so yeah, mate, it's, it's one of those where we're busy doing admin and, like, you, as as eloquently as you put it, putting uh, hitting those tasks that we've been uh, putting off for so long with other more important tasks. So uh, yeah. just one of those. But, mate, you've been busy, haven't you? You're always busy, always you. Busy, Dan. I'm always busy, mate. It's 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 just the, the nature of things, mate. Um so yeah, we've 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 been getting prepped up and ready for uh or halfway through another corporate order, mate. Mm-hmm. And how's That's that going? Company. Yeah, really well, mate. It's going really well. Um it's for a business called Tribus Watches. Um so they're fairly new. They've they've it's just their first release. They've just mm-hmm. sort of cropped up on, on Instagram. Um but yeah, so they've approached us to make the straps for the watch. Um so that's what we're doing. We're sort of halfway through that project at the minute. Um in addition to that, we've also had some special editions uh we've been working through this week for Tack and Fish. Yeah, we um, saw those go up yeah. early in the stories. Yeah. So Mate, those those leather those leather tabs look really cool. It's nice to see epic, uh, a alternative to the black yes yeah very much so um so yeah they're mega they're they're they're, they're done um they're leaving me well we're recording today which is what day is it today i don't even know thursday thursday today mate yeah so by the time this goes out they would have left me um and headed over to the us uh on top of that we've also got the black beer drop on the first um which is super exciting so we've been getting through those bits mate and uh, trying to get them boxed off uh over the last 48 hours really um on the keepers we had the straps made last week um but yeah focusing on the keepers the last 48 the first batch of flat of uh black beard flags i had through i rejected i wasn't happy with them yeah uh, they were showing not as much detail as i'd like um but they were also when i was showing them we were splitting and showing that sort of white backing um which didn't really excite me to be honest so i had them redone um and they've turned up and they're epic uh, they're absolutely epic so they're going live on saturday uh, on top of that mate we've got some some other bits and bobs tickling on in the background 
Um, I can't really talk about at the minute because we're not in a position um, to be to be jumping up and down about it. But um, it's very, very exciting, to say the least. Very exciting. So yeah, busy, mate. Always busy. Um, even when I'm not busy, I'm busy. I'm busy trying to figure out what, what I'm going to be busy about next. Always busy, and you are um, always got multiple irons in the fire. It seems um, you've got to. Be. You've got to cast your net far and wide. I mean, you get your eggs in one basket, mate, and it only takes one one cock up, and you know um, you're sort of caught out or found out. So you've got to have different things going on at different. It's just plate spinning, mate. It's all it is. Yeah. It's plate spinning. Yeah. Um, but it, then it's the allocation of time uh, mm-hmm. is a big part of it. So um, this Blackbeard stuff, for example, um, that's going to go up in limited batches. Um, it's not be a, a standard stock item on the site simply because we've got um, a number of other projects we're working on at the minute mm-hmm. that absolutely demand time um, and, and our time. So where we can do the, the, the cool stuff um, for the community, as it were, we will. Um, but it's we, we've got to manage that um, in the right way. So um, what we want to do is get it made um, and, and then put it for sale um, in, in, in the right numbers. Uh, that way we're not we're not having people wait uh, so, for a long time to get the stuff. And, yeah. Expectation management, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, it's that horrible phrase that you get senior officers tell you about your career. Expectation management. Um, but yeah, no, I get it, mate. Uh, and obviously, as I've been privy to some of the stuff that you're, you've been spinning, those plates, yeah. as it were, uh, it's yeah. going to be exciting, mate. And I think uh, it's going to be uh, really cool, you know, for, for you as a business uh, throughout summer, uh, which is nice mm-hmm. and will lead you nicely on into autumn. Can you believe that we are, you know, know. also wishing away the summer uh, to autumn? Um on the we'll be subject. there before we know it, though. Yeah, That's no. the thing. I mean, it's yeah. moving so fast, and, and now the world's opened up again. Things are just happening rapidly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone wants to get out and, and get done what they should have done three months ago, so they can catch up and 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 you know claim their place of where they should be. Yeah. Now, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. So it's exciting. On, on on the subject of summer, mate, this may be dropping on you a little bit, as you know, I'll be going on leave, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll try and uh, meet up over that period of leave, and uh, hmm. mate. I think a cool aspiration, if we do manage to tie in those dates, would be uh, to get a episode recorded for the first time where we're actually in the same room. That would be pretty cool, mate. That would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, that would be epic, mate, if we can pull that off. Um, that would be brilliant. It's, it's weird, mate. I mean, we've as we've recorded this podcast, it's changed and adapted simply because um, the technology um, that we were aware of at the beginning mm-hmm. um, wasn't as uh, fluid as the technology we're aware of now. So we can actually see each other now when we record. Um, mm. So there's a huge portion of social dynamics when two human beings speak to each other that you mm. lose when you can't see them. Even, you know, just understanding cues of when and when not to speak, understanding when someone's finished their point or whether they're still laboring on it or they're, they're, they're putting thought and insight into what they're going to say next. It's easy to overcut people and... And, and not have that natural conversation. So um, actually getting together, mate, um, would be brilliant because it, it just it just changes the dynamic altogether. In, of course. In, in a positive way. So, yeah, it'd be great, mate. I mean, if you, uh, if you can get up north, as they say, um, yep. they'll, uh, there'll be wets waiting for you, mate, or brews, as you army lot say. Yep. Uh, may, even, may even be a beer if the weather's kind to us, mate. And, nice. Uh, and a little recording. Why yeah. not? Why yeah. not? Yeah. 
I think it'll be good, mate. We can uh, treat the ZT followership to a to a, a joint episode, as it were, yeah. uh, in terms of physical, um, mate. But on the subject of obviously uh, watches and the podcast, um, mm. before we get into what we're going to talk about today, what watch have you got on? Oh, interesting question. I've got the Vertex MP45 on, mate. Nice, That's nice. So. Have you gotten over that little bit of surprise where every time you look at it, because I still haven't, so I have to admit, yeah. uh, every time I look at it, um, and obviously last week I pretty much used that week as the week to get used to owning it. So yes, I know I had it for a week before, but obviously as we know I was away, I was a bit busy and wasn't really paying attention as much as I would like to have paid attention to that watch. Um, But have you gotten over that feeling of oh shit I've got a vertex on my wrist that's not the one that I've, you know what i mean it's, it's starting not, to feel like it's yeah. mine now yeah you know what i mean it's starting to feel like it's mine now which is lovely um i mean listen it'll always the minute you see it and and and, and take stock of it it'll always mm-hmm. catch you do you know what i mean but yeah um it's starting i'm starting to i'm starting to feel like it's it's mine now which is weird um mm. but it's great mate i love it I, I genuinely do love it and i brought it out day before yesterday yeah um, put it back on the wrist mate wound it up and it's just it's just a dream it's absolutely a dream mate um so i'm rocking it on uh, on a bond nice I just think the bond goes so well with it mate and i've got a, a monochrome union jack keeper on it um, nice so yeah it just bounces on that watch mate the bond um and they complement each other extremely well so so yeah that's what i'm rocking at the minute mate what about yourself what have you got on so I went for a watch, mate, which I've uh, I've pulled out of the uh, ever famous watch box uh, because it's in keeping with um, the decade in which we're speaking about today. So um, I've gone Pulsar G10 for men, mate, today. The Prince Harry. The ever famed Prince Harry. So this one is obviously a current issue. Uh, it's got um, a long handset. And we'll talk about that when we get on to the Pulsar G10s uh, later on in this episode. Um, but that's what I've got on today, mate. I've got the uh, Pulsar G10 for men. Um, that's actually issued to me. It's actually on my flick, as it were. Nice. So nice. that's that's uh, the watch on today. And you know what, mate? It's so thin and so light, you almost forget that you've got a watch on. Yeah. Um, which some people don't like, and or, you know, they like to feel that they've got a watch on and I am one of those people. I like having a watch and I like knowing I've got a watch on I like that presence that, you know, a mechanical watch can give you through the weight. But when you think about it as an ideal quartz kind of almost go anywhere and almost do anything, you know, when you look at the specs and kind of like the environments that we know that these things have gone to, you know, you can't complain, can you? You know what I mean? It's a, it's a great little watch, great little watch. And, the loom on it is incredible because I, for those who don't know, uh, Pulsar is a subsidiary of Seiko, uh, Seiko Corp, as it were. Um, so they have the same luminous technology available to them. So uh, it glows like Chernobyl in meltdown, shall we nice. say. But nice. mate, I've hinted at what we're going to talk about in this episode. Uh, we're talking about the 90s. The 90s, mate. You're a 90s yeah. baby, aren't you? I am a 90s baby, mate. So, uh, yeah. What a, what not, a pop. What yeah. a pop. 1992, mate. Where were you? <laughs> oh, God. 
I just got off the breast, I think, mate. <laughs> um, no, I was... How old was I in 92? Six? Uh, thereabouts. Were you already um, at sea? <laughs> almost, mate, yeah. I'd probably been, been to sea in some capacity, whether it be a ferry or, or something, I don't know. But mm. uh, the old man had fishing boats, mate, so um, it started young for me, very yeah. young. Um, yeah, the minute I could uh, support my own body weight, mate, I was... Uh, I was on that boat and mm-hmm. about doing doing manly things. Um, but yeah, so 1990s. 1990s. Where do we start? Mate. Where do we start? We've talked we we've hinted at the G10 so far. So yes. should we put that on ice for a minute and come back? Yeah, to I th- I think I think we can leave that till the end, mate. I think. Um, yeah. let's look at you know what? I've I've written the way I've written down my notes this time, I've actually written them down as aviation diving and land and that is loosely in alphabetical order on those categories so should we just go alphabetical order this time why not let's do it cool mate so in from the continent then we've got some german efficiency straight away okay got some german efficiency straight away now i have to caveat this guys we could have mentioned this watch a lot sooner Okay, because this kind of watch was issued for a very long time. Um, yep. However, the ones that I've seen more of um, are the, ver- the variants from the 90s. So we left it because that's the variants that me and Darren have seen more of. Okay, so this is the Bundeswehr H3 chronographs. So it's a series of watches that were made by Hoyer, Leonidas, Zinn, and I believe one other. If I remember rightly, they're the three I could find, mate. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Is, is there another one that made them? There, there, um, there might be another one. I can't remember. Hoyer. Anyway, Hoyer. Ho- Hoyer. No, I said Hoyer, yeah. mate. I had Hoyer and Leonidas and Zinn. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, mate, is Leonidas, as we know, are famous because they are one of the 16 to 18 companies, probably 16, um, that made ATP watches during the Second World War. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So it's funny that, the name isn't it? of that company, mate. Leonidas. Leonidas. It just evokes strong, like, bloke, doesn't it? It's just Spartan, isn't it? You know yeah, what I mean? It's exactly. such a cool name. Yeah. Um, but in, in, in terms of the actual watch, mate, they were actually issued from 1955 right through to the 90s, just so you're wow. aware. A long time, a long time. And obviously, throughout that, um, is, you know, I guess, issue period, Various yeah. companies, as we've obviously said, it made them, and I assume they were obviously made in batches. And I guess the earlier ones may have been made by Leonidas, because eventually, as we know, um, Leonidas was actually bought out, mate, by Hoyer, and then that obviously got a part of the tag group as well. So yeah. you can kind of see where companies, as we've said all the way through this, you know, some of these companies don't exist anymore, but were absorbed by bigger companies and obviously become parts of conglomerates and all that kind of stuff so you can kind of start seeing that now um, it's such a shame in many ways dan because you've got um oh, it was young, young hands yes young hands was the other one that was it um, yeah <clears throat> it's a shame mate because a lot of a lot of these historic brand uh, brands did get absorbed mate uh, and mm. they got absorbed around about the horse crisis Mm. Um, and it's great don't get me wrong because um, you know those people at the time would have kept their jobs or whatever else but um, you look at it from today's point of view then you've almost been robbed of these historic companies I mean mm. just 
just imagine Leonidas still going with the bit yeah. of heritage. Um, it, it would have been incredible. And it's not even like anyone can bring it back now. No, um, exactly. But when, when Hoyer bought it, they also would have bought all the rights and, and the ownership to the name and everything else. So, you know, unless they decide, right, we need to relaunch this brand, you're never going to see it again. That's, yeah. It's a shame. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, there's so much history left for it to just disappear. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, um, mate. But like, it's a strong name, mate. It is a strong name. Yeah. So who were these issued to, mate? Um, so these were issued to the German military, effectively. So the German, uh, the German aviators, and I'm assuming uh, the German aviators across all services, similar to yeah. how we issue our chronographs, just to mm-hmm. aviation traded pe- uh, personnel. Um, but run you through the specs. It's a bi-register chronograph. Um, automatic and the main movement that they use mate was a value 230 okay yeah um but it's cool it's it was a big black dial it's got a aluminium um bezel which was a countdown bezel like a diver's bezel but what i like on it mate is that's obviously i like on it 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 lends it to the name it was actually issued on a button strap as well so yes. like the Hanhart watches and the Flieger watches of the German yeah. military from the Second World War, these things came on big leather straps. Um, and I guess that lends itself to the nickname it was given. It was obviously known as the Bund chronographs, you know what I mean? And yeah. obviously hinting at Bundeswehr, but also the Bund strap that it was, it was yeah. issued on. Um, and interesting, mate, that the Germans marked them as H3 dials to indicate that they had tritium loom. So yes, and that, that H3 is a big circle just yeah. above six o'clock with yeah. like, that's red with three yeah. and H in red on it. It's it's just it's bold. It's bold. Yeah, I mean very bold. See the chronograph, mate, with what looks like you know at first first glance to be a diver's bezel on it. Yeah. Um, you know, with with these sort of military markings and 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 what looks like three H above yeah. six. It's just an intriguing looking watch. Uh, and it's a big watch as well, mate. Like, I wouldn't yeah. be able to wear it. Um, I think they averaged out about 43 mil, but they want a bun strap, so the pad underneath them is also bigger. You know what I mean? So these, yeah. these are watches that are designed for people like, you know, you, you effectively. Um, men. With your... Men. <laughs> men. Hey, look, I've got a G10 for men. It's for men. Um, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um you know, it's, it's a big old watch. Um, and then, like you said, mate, imagine if you had that with Leonidas on the dial because you're just going to look like a hero, aren't you? <laughs> you couldn't help but feel it, could you, one of them? I mean, yeah. Leonidas, massive watch, massive bun strap, cutting round, you know, getting out of, you know, whatever whatever aircraft they were, they, they were oh, rocking yeah. on you at the time, mate. Um, yeah, epic, absolutely epic. Great looking watch, mate. I mean, it's, it's fairly unusual. You, you don't often see... Um, chronographs with such big bezels um yeah. and of such a size do you know what i mean it's yeah. it's it's a rarity in many ways um but mate they're, they're cracking looking pieces cool. particularly like the hoyer mate yeah. um, i like the hoyer I, I like the the, the logo on of hoyer because it's like an, a, a yes. triangle isn't it and it points down to that yes. h that h3 that yeah. i said i think so this is pre-tag really cool. hoyer um, yes it is. so tag hoyer hadn't become tag hoyer at the time mm-hmm. Um, so essentially it's the same company or they, they trace their, their history back with a major, mm. but um, this is Hoyer pre-tag. So um, it's essentially the tag logo, but uh, the tag Hoyer logo, but without the tag bin on it. Yeah. Um, that's essentially what it is. And it's just, I, I don't know, something about that logo even, mate. Mm. It's, um, there's no symmetry there, but it's rammed full of symmetry at the same yeah. time because everything's sort of squeezed in that 
in that section, mate, on that on that arrow. It's it's just a it's striking on your mark. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and it's so striking, like I said, and so iconic to the point where Revolution Mag uh, paired up with uh, Zin, and as we know, Zin still make watches. They still make a version of this watch. Um, yeah. But they did a special edition for Revolution Mag. I think it was like one of 50, and they obviously put Revolution Magazine tax on the watch. But yeah. as a design, you're right. You can see why that um, that watch magazine decided to go for it, because like I said, it's so unusual. It's, the, yeah. the military watch scene is obviously increased over the past few years, and that's what people want. Uh, why not go for you know bringing out a special edition of that watch? Because like you said, you see that on the street, and if you're a watch guy, you're gonna recognize that as that's the revolution Zin. Yes. You know, this yeah. can only be one thing, you know. Zin are um, bold anyway, mate, in what yeah. they do. I mean, they have these oil-filled stuff. And, um, I've handled them, mate, I've never held one. Um, but some just just what they do and how they do it, it's it's bold. It really is bold. They've yeah. got some big stones on them, mate, because yeah. they they go out and make stuff that no one else is making. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, number one, it sets them apart, but number two, it's fucking dangerous. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because um, how is the market going to react to that? You you can go yeah. and make whatever you want, mate. But as a business, you need to sell it yeah. in order to you know make money and pay your staff and have a business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I, I find them bold, mate. They're, they're extremely bold and daring, and, and it pays dividends from because you know the, the stuff they're making is is phenomenal. Um, yeah, uh, and it's 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 just it is, it's iconic in its own right. Mm. It's definitely a zin. You see yeah. it and it's ah okay, you got a zin. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's just like I said, it shows you the kind of engineering that you can put into something that is you know these these are tools, especially the, yeah. the modern zins. From what I've seen, they've got some very interesting, as you said, uh, complications on watches that are specific niche specific for certain roles and trades within um, you know um, first responders and within the military and stuff like that. And uh, it's insane, like you said, there's that there's that oil field filled one, and it, that will get um, a mention in a future episode when we look at special yeah. dial when we look at special dials because we've had I've handled a special dialed variant of that watch. Uh, yeah. And it's just, but it's just cool, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's just cool. So um, no, I think I think that was a strong start, mate, for aviation and you know German efficiency. Uh, we're going to move on to to Britain now, mate, and we've got the Seiko Generation Two. Course going on, following, following on, on from the Gen One, mate. So mm. yeah, a great looking watch, mate. Um, Royal Air Force uh, predominantly. Um, you know, slightly larger than the Gen 1. Mm-hmm. Um, they're coming very desirable at the minute. A lot of people are chasing after these things yeah, as well. Yeah, And yeah. it's a different layout as well. So the, the, the sub-dials are in a different layout, which is quite cool. And it's got different buttons in different places as well. Yeah, so. quartz as well. Um, yes. Quartz. But something I love about this mate is the case. Yeah. Sandblasted. Yeah. You don't see that often. No, you don't. No, you don't. You it's a matte, matted case, yeah. and it's yeah. it's very cool. Um, they're on eBay, mate, and they're running around five hundred pounds. Uh, and you compare that to the it. yeah, and you compare that to the generation one. Yep. They're between seven, eight, sometimes pushing a grand, dependent on yep. condition. You know, so like you said, it's a cool watch. They run their a seventy-two-seven quartz movement inside. Um, yeah. And they they were issued, mate, from 1993 right through to 2005. Wow! Um, you know, it's a long time. That's a yeah, long yeah, time yeah. To, to to be issued, and it's a cool watch. 
Um, and I've, you know, you know me, mate, I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, with our Royal Air Force brethren, and I'm still yet to see someone with one, given the fact how long they were issued for. Um, That's a fair point, mate. It, I've been thinking a few on Instagram. Mm. Um, I do know some owners, but I don't know if they're issued or whether they've bought them yeah. um, you know, out of the bay or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but... Uh, a cool watch, mate. A cool watch. Again, cool iconic. Watch. You you see the Gen 2, mate. You know it's a Gen 2. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just the way it's laid out and where mm. where the markers are and, and, and the fact you've got, um, you know, you've got that, that logo at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just, it, it's obviously a Gen 2. These things, yeah. these things are undeniable. Um, but again, really well thought out, mate. Really yeah. well thought out piece. Yeah, fixed bars, um, yeah. which is a must for most um, for most military watches. Um, matte black dial. Yeah. Um, subsidiary seconds to six o'clock. Uh, Thirty minute elapsed timer uh, at twelve. Uh, Twenty four hour time um, representation at nine. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, it, it's just, it's perfectly done because you know pilots can. Can can plan their flights across different time zones. I mean, I think the, the inner be- bezel, sixty second markings, if my memory yeah. serves me right. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just a great piece. It's a great piece, mate. It's it's a cracking little watch. Um, mm-hmm. And for the money, you can pick one up now. I think that's you know not a bad thing to do if you've got five hundred quid laying around. Just face it. Yeah. The banks are not giving you cracking interest rates. Um, I do think this is a bit of a future classic, mate. I do think it, if you bought I one think, of these now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think both of the uh, Seiko chronographs will become what the, you know considered future classic, classics. Uh, and yeah. you know what, mate? A little bit about me is just a little bit gutted that they weren't issued from '92 because if they were, that would be You're one. Of, that would be that, mate. That would have been the birth year watch because it's yeah, military. Yeah. It's 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 cool. Um, we could put a pun in there saying it's from the Far East, like me, but you know. Yeah, fair one. Um, interesting. Showing a bit of legger, Dan. Yeah, Showing a bit no, of legger, yeah. mate. First time ever. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the other time was earlier, mate, when I said that I had a G10 for men because, you know, my wrist size. Um, yeah. The other thing that's interesting, mate, is the fact that, again, it featured Promethium Loom. Again, another strong, Prometheum. strong Leonidas word. And Prometheum. Yeah. You know, another strong bold words, mate. Mm. Um, but I say that the uh, the navy bitched out me, and they went for the non-loomed version, mainly because you have the ability to turn lights on in a submarine. Very true, very true. Um, and it's not like you can you can hide a warship, mate. They're not exactly a set of fucking car keys. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's um, yeah, you know, it's one of them. Well, put the light on, lads. Um, they're gonna see us anyway. Mm. Um, or they know we're here anyway. Why do they know we're here? Because we're fucking, you know, hundreds of tons of fucking steel. Um, mm. Yeah, so interesting watch. Interesting watch, mate. Um, a very cool piece. A future classic, um, I, I, I'd argue. Um, and I do think it's, um, again, it's very um, iconic in its design, mate. It, it, it really is its own thing. Um, which is which is mega. I do love that about a watch, mate. Um, when when designers or companies go right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, but we'll do it slightly different. We'll do our own version of it. We'll we'll make this iconically ours and stuff like this, mate. It just stands out. I mean, it's it's obvious. It's obvious. It's like it's like tits on fish. You know what I mean? It just slaps <laughs> you in the face when you see it, isn't it? It's like wow, look at that. Yeah. It's a Gen two. Yeah. 
that's a great saying as well. Kits on a fish. On fish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the rare the rare aquatic. Um, <laughs> is, is is that what you class as a mermaid? If you ever find them, is that why? Is that a mermaid? I mean, tits on a fish. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's, it's the, the the historic uh, name for them is the Titus aquilanus. Um, they're found <laughs> predominantly in the Bay of Biscuits, um, and and yeah, it's it's. Uh, if you if you see one, if you find it, then it, it brings you good fortune, mate. For um, for fifteen years, apparently. Uh, Strong. Legend has it. I don't know. <laughs> you didn't find one, did you? No, no. The Titus Aquilana uh, <laughs> evaded me, mate, on many occasions. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh. So, uh, how the fuck did we get there? Anyway, <laughs> so that's the Gen Two. Um, that's the Gen Two. That is. Um, gleaming little watch if you've got 500 quid in a shoebox somewhere mm. buy one yeah put it in the safe um and i think your money will grow i really do um i, I think it'd be a safe uh, safe little investment that um not that we should be buying watches for investments but um, no pick something up and enjoy it for a few years uh, and make a little bit of money happy days exactly you know what I mean? and that's that's all that's what this is about it's about enjoying what you pick up and wearing what you like yeah. but like you said it's one of those i think like you said it, it's probably or has probably been considered a sleeper watch for a while and now people are getting on it definitely um definitely. yeah i've got a notable mention mate for us as for us as a nation on uh, 90s chronographs one so and I put the book open here as well. Um, Amiga, Speedmasters, and Flight mm. Mas- and Flight Masters. Very cool. Very so cool. the venerable Amiga, Speedmaster, and Flight Masters that you think um, standard Moonwatch, standard Flight Master. Um, not going to go on about the specs on those because everyone who listens to this podcast should know about the uh, the Speedmasters. What's interesting, mate, um, there's very little on them. They did have NSN numbers on them. Um, yeah. And uh, so they were issued. But it was obviously a very small issue, mate, because it was predominantly, you know like this, um, to three commando brigade, um, but only personnel out in Malta. So I don't know what that mm. means, whether it was, I think I've read into this as um, maybe three commando brigade um, needed obviously watches for whatever they were conducting in the 90s um, and obviously being based at Malta maybe they just didn't have um, a supply chain as uh, you know um, to provide that equipment and I just think it was potentially an urgent operational requirement mate, from the sounds of it because it doesn't seem like many were issued um, yeah. and looking at the kinds of trades um, there's potential mate for these things to have um, really seen some hard use to the point where they probably didn't even you know not many could even have survived um you're looking at these to be of issue, issued to naval gunfire support officers forward air controllers yep. and royal marines slash royal naval um uh photographers of all people uh for those of you who don't know that's one for eight battery uh royal artillery um well pretty interesting guys um so these uh, individuals um, are commando trained and para trained. And what their job is, so it's a specialist unit, um, they supply, uh, so provide uh, naval gunfire support um, forward observation. Um, so what does that mean? 
So let's say um, you've got an enemy um, on uh, on land, and you want to use your warships uh, to send bombs and rockets or shells. Uh, these guys will go ashore, uh, usually under the uh, the cover of darkness. Um, advance on the enemy's position um, and basically get their coordinates and send them back to the warships um, so they can uh, basically tell the naval gunners um, mm -hmm. where to where to aim uh, because naturally uh, if you are using uh, naval weapon systems the range on those things is huge um, so you could be uh, you know, keeping yourself out of the fight uh, whilst uh, raining down thunder on the enemy. Um, mm. You need to know where they are. Um, so these guys are extremely highly trained, extremely specialist unit, um, uh, technically speaking, part of the British Army um, uh, in the Royal Artillery, um, but they're their own sort of bag of apples altogether. Yeah, so, you, yeah, you're right. They are they are Royal Artillery Cat Badge. But what's interesting, mate, as well, is another facet of, of their, uh, their role is, guys, with the event of air power to this extent of what it is now in the 21st century, you get a lot of these guys also JTACs. So they can call in uh, what we call CAS, um, which is obviously close air support, um, for those who don't know, um, from aircraft, helicopters, fast air, and all that kind of stuff. So... Um, very similar, mate, to um, what one of our guests used to do for the Special Forces. Yes, very similar to what one of our guests used to do for the Special Forces. Um, there's actually a, a, a few 148 guys, mate, um, mm. who uh, I, I'd assume, listen to this, they certainly wear um, and operate with ZA straps on. Yeah. Um, and they have a, a really cool emblem, mate, which is close to your heart. Um, very much so mate so it's a, it's a combined ops book, um, essentially uh, there, there's this, uh, uh, a slightly different variation of it um, predominantly red um, and it's it's just it's just epic absolutely mm. epic uh, it goes back to the historic um, sort of World War 2 styles and designs which basically is um, you know when when these guys were were in their oils really um, mm. you know you know conducting the ops they were they were conducting them but um yeah combined ops logo mate with um uh, in red uh, i believe the rifles left facing as well uh um, i believe i believe so um yeah I think off, it is off the top of my head, head. um but mate, what what is quite cool is one four eight battery guys uh, now have an Instagram, as you'll find now with a lot of units within the military. They like to push out um, positive um, kind of uh, posts and awareness in order to, you know, I guess incite recruitment, but also you know show positivity for what the British military do. Very in line with what the American military have been doing for years. Uh, yep. But one four eight battery do have um, an Instagram. Go and find it. I encourage you to go and find it because it is interesting as well. And some of the little bits that they put up there, what they can show, what they do is very interesting. There is a video, um, I think in the last couple of weeks, mate, of them practicing um, amphibious insertions. But the, the trip to the trip, they said, obviously, the you know, amphibious insertion will be the, the, you know, the journey to work. But not just that, they then do a pre-journey to the pre to the to the journey to work, which is via a helicopter. So they're looking yeah. at going jumping from Chinooks with um uh you know um zodiacs 
into yep. the sea effectively and all, yep. all that kind of stuff so very but, like you said a very a niche specialism and a, niche a very niche very niche capability i mean just give you an idea guys these guys work heavily with sas and sbs during the falklands um and in you know part of that was the shelling of uh argentine positions uh, mm -hmm. on west uh on west falkland mate and around port stanley um uh, on east falkland as well um mm. but also interestingly in more more modern times or the 90s being up around the 90s now um they took part um in 1991 in the gulf war mm -hmm. uh, on the retaking of the british embassy in kuwait um, 148 battery inserted into the embassy compound with the SBS um, and, uh, and basically took that embassy back. Um, so, yeah, very interesting, uh, very interesting group of uh, individuals. Um, mm. the, 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 the battle honours, uh, you know, go on far, far and wide. Far and wide. In fact, yeah. to the point where, as you know, our Royal Artillery Brethren will remind you, similar to the Royal Engineers, uh, their core motto is obviously Ubiqui which is everywhere yeah. um so so there you go that is actually one of their battle honors as it were their motto mm -hmm. um mate that is it for um aviation and mm -hmm. obviously we're going to go into diving now but i feel like we need to start with um the notable mention before we get onto the two main ones, mainly because it rolls off the back of what we've just been speaking with 148 battery and the idea of you know specialist diving personnel um and it's a watch that's close to my heart uh, and it's a watch that's very close to your heart because i believe you owned one for a very short amount of time and it is the bond mate, the bond seamaster um yeah. the blue one mid-size this time so not the full-size one um but the golden eye seamaster effectively in quartz uh it gets a special mention because they were issued for a very short amount of time to the royal marines um and z squadron sbs very cool which very is very cool. cool uh close to my heart mate because obviously growing up as as you said earlier as a 90s kid i remember golden eye um yep. and the film and the game and you know just that watch is quite synonymous and iconic but obviously for you mate um we've spoken in previous episodes um yeah i owned one mate for a while um, i bought it off a guy in a in a dockyard in plymouth actually mm-hmm and uh, uh I well, used... wasn't in the dockyard, it was in the kebab shop outside the dockyard. <laughs> it was yeah, true story. Um and yeah, it's in a thousand pieces now, mate. I think I still have some bits um laying around. Um in short guys, it was involved in a in a free kitchen accident, um whereby I took it off to cook some food and put it in my cutlery drawer, um, so I wouldn't knock it off the counter. Um, my wife was on the phone. She came in um, and she pulled a spoon out to make a cup of tea um, whilst on the phone. Tried closing the drawer and um, yeah, in in short, she didn't know the watch was in there. And she got a bit feisty with the drawer, trying to ram it back in, and everything just popped into a thousand pieces. So I had bits of glass everywhere, dials and hands, um, you know, chewed up and in bits. It looked like you. You just put a hand grenade underneath it, mate. Basically. <laughs> and that is was it, the end of my Seamaster. Is it not? Would you ever consider potentially reviving that? Now it that could you have been, yeah, it could have been revived, mate, and it could have been sorted out a lot closer to the time. Okay. Um, but as time has gone on, I've moved house five times probably since then. 
Um, You're missing Rossford. pieces. Roger. It hasn't been looked after in transit. Um, it's 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 dead, mate. You know, mm. for the money it cost me to fix it, um, I could probably go out now and buy uh, a second uh, yeah. one, like for the same sort of cost, um, and not have the pain and the drama um, yeah. with it. Um, but, but yeah, would would you? Would you consider that, mate, maybe in future, looking at that as another model? Or I'm not in any rush, Dan, if I'm honest. I got nothing against Amiga, mate, or the Seamasters. I absolutely love them. Um, but as I said, mate, and as I said before, it's it's very much stories and emotions I buy the watches, <laughs> and, and that's fairly fairly negative one, mate. Mm. So uh, I don't know if I want to... I don't know. I think I've sort of moved on from that, mate. The way I'm looking at it is the universe didn't want me to have one, um, so I haven't got one. <laughs> So we leave that where it is. Let sleeping dogs lie mm. and move on to other things. So, mm. uh, so yeah, cool watch on the lesson, mate. Um, a very yeah, cool watch. very cool. Um, I mean, like yeah. I said, mate, imagine being that 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 uh, SBS bloke who's been issued an Amiga uh, Seamaster. Uh, just be cool, it's, wouldn't it? Mate, massively so. I mean, but naturally with these people, mate, and, and you know what we we we've learnt as you know as we've gone on is. A lot of them don't care. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They get these watches and they're just tools. You know, yeah, they, yeah. they really don't care. It's, it's you know, will it do the job? Yes, it will. Um, perfect. I'll wear it. Um, mm. It's in a thousand pieces. Well, that's fine. I'll just go to stores and get a new one. Um, mm. It's not it's not that love affair, mate. They're tools. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and it's just the way it is. Which is also another reason, mate, why they went for the quartz one. Because it's a cheaper watch, but provides exactly what what they want. You know that, that well, robustness, mate, that you know shock proof and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And I think the sit- shock proofing mate is a big one, rather yeah. than the cost. As you know, these units, mate, they've gone in. Yeah. This, you know, um, they don't supply really to get the right stuff it, in, but it, it can sit on a. Last. Yeah, and it can sit on a store's shelf for for a long time before being issued. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Seamaster will come back, guys, in a future episode, which I've penned in uh, when we talk about special projects, because the Seamaster, especially this version and the, the, the mid-size and the full-size of the Quartz is actually still quite synonymous with the Royal Marines and, uh, and the SBS and, all, and the Special Forces within the British military, because it is one of the watches that you see quite a lot of special projects being made for. So we'll touch on those more specific watches um, in due course. Um, but we've got two divers or two main divers uh, types mate, to speak about um, for diving watches in the 90s. And uh, I'm gonna give you the choice. Do you wanna go Britain or do you wanna go America? Oh, Britain, mate. Okay, so what would you say if I said the word persister to you? Ah, okay, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So the persistent diver. <laughs> Um, yes. Commander Sundials has one, I believe, or a yes, reissue at least. He does. Yes, he does. Yeah. And and I have also owned one of the reissues as well, mate, of um I believe it was the PRS seventeen was the one yes. that I I, oh, I own the reissue of, I believe. Uh, and factors. I think yes, and I think yep. um Commander Sundal owns the reissue of the PRS eighteen. Um yes. the reissue I had was a quartz, mate. Uh, and it's yeah. a fantastic watch. Um, fixed bars, uh, screw down crown, as you'd expect, 200 meters water resistance, stick markers. In fact, mate, the dial, other than having persister written on it, it looks like a carbon copy of the Seamaster 300 dial. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of these watches, mate, yeah. they all look identical because it was the 
it, it was the mod standard at the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, we've seen this before in the Dirty Dozen, guys. Um, you know, uh, this is a specification. Go out and make mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And that's basically what happened. Um, but yeah, persistent, mate. Not, not, not talked about all that much, mate. Um, a, a bit of a, again, a bit of a hidden gem to the uninitiated. Yeah. Um, but pound for pound, they had their place. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think what's interesting with these is that now, like you said, they're definitely a sleeper watch now with the reissues because they're made by, so Eddie over at Time Factors, guys, is ex-military, um, I believe. Uh, and as we've said before, he um, obviously he bought the rights to various British watch companies uh, effectively when they were available back in the, uh, I'm guessing, early 2000s. Um, and he's been making some very high quality um, continuations of famous military watches. Um, ever since but obviously he deals on the forum side of it so you know these aren't mainstream watches um so i think they are um they are you know by the default sleeper watches and you know um a watch a military watch guy's watch you know what i mean like again it's one of those where it can only be a persister diver when you see these things they're very um unique in their design aren't they yeah but as you say mate they are a military guy's watch. Mm. Um, it's a weird one, mate. It, it it's almost like Vostok. Yes. If you see someone wearing a Vostok, you know they're a watch guy. Um, yeah. If you see someone wearing a Persister, uh, again, you know they're a watch guy. But more specifically, mm. you know they're a military watch guy. Um, yeah. Because they're, they're they're it's just a hidden brand. And not many people mm. are uh, you know as au fait with us. Um, some of the other brands, you know, other people making watches during this time to these specs. Uh, you mentioned one earlier, another one, CWC. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're all very niche brands, really, aren't they? Yeah, very much. So. Um, very much in so. fact, some are out there more than others now as well. Yeah, and Vostok's made a big reoccurrence, I think. Um, in, in fact, on the subject of Vostok, um, I have a 90s Vostok diver, mate. Uh, with a special dial. The dial's got the uh, KGB crest on it, which is quite funny. Um, but you own a Vostok, don't you? I've got two, mate. Don't ask me what they are. They're amphibious of, of some sort. Yeah. One's a, an amphibia SE. I don't know what the reference number is. Pretty cool looking watch. Mm. Um, and the other one's been modded. Again, I picked them up off forums, mate. They're... Um, um... Interesting history on them, mate. I mean, basically, the, the war went up. Russia wanted watches, um, and they didn't want to enter the Swiss market or, or the Western world or mm. even the Far East to have them made. They wanted everything in-house, uh, pardon the pun, uh, in Russia. Um, so they tasked um, Vostok to make them uh, a watch from scratch where it does everything that your conventional watch does, but it does it differently. Yeah. Uh, and essentially, the amphibians were born. So... Um, I'm sure we could do a full episode on Vostok, mate, at a later date. But... Yeah, we'll uh, we will put them in um, eventually. Um, yeah, I know. I know, a... I know. I've had a few quest questions and messages about when we're going to speak about Vostok, but we will get there. But as you said, they're just a very unique watch. They're a watch guys watch, um, and a very, like you said, very clever way of doing things. Um, in terms of you know everything from the wobbly crown through to um, the case, like the way it it 
is watertight and the case backs and stuff like that. It's just a very clever design. And it all sparks from exactly how you said, mate. Russia wanted everything to be made in Russia. They didn't want anything to come from outside of the um, the, the wall, as it were. Um, and they got around some very limited, or what was at the time viewed as very limited technology and manufacturing methods uh, in order yeah. to make these watches, uh, which sounds really bad. It's probably another reason why these things are so cheap to pick up because it, they were made ten a penny um, in a very peanuts to pick yeah up. in mean, a very I industrial a manner. I got a special edition. I think it ran me about eighty quid, um, and it's it's bomb proof. It's an yeah. epic little watch, um, and it will last forever. It will run forever. I'm not mm. worried about um, water integrity. I'm not worried about it standing up to the test of time. It's a cracking little piece, and in theory, an in-house movement because yeah. they make their own movements. And yeah. for you to pick up a military watch with an in-house movement um, with su- you know super serious water resistance, yeah, um, for under a hundred pounds, it's a game Mate, stopper. In many, do you want to know things. how much I picked up that uh, commander ski for? Go on, the the, the KGB dialed one. Yeah, yeah, thirty quid posted. There we go. And it works, like you said, it works. Got no problem yeah, with yeah. it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that was a bit of a nice tangent on there. Um, mate, let's go across to the other side. Um, so we're go- we've gone from uh, the Soviets, as it were, back to the yeah. land of the free and the home of the brave. Marathon. G-SARS. And yeah. the G-SARS. And yeah. the T-SARS. T-SAR. Yeah. 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 Very cool. cool watches. So, uh, again, mate, these are watches that I can't really wear because they're huge. Uh, guys, the G-SARS are 46 mil. And they look about five mil deep. These things are huge. Yeah, they're they're certainly men's watches. Um, they certainly are men's watches. And if you want to get jiggy with it, then you can go up to the uh, the JSR, which is the jumbo mm. version, um, and essentially wear a clock on a belt on your wrist. Yep. Um, but nonetheless, iconic looking, cool looking. Yeah. Um, watches um again that you see them a lot in tv and film mate um they are epic um i, I know the idf use them a lot yes um, yeah in fact we've seen a special version of that haven't we we have the idf use um your mom version your mom yeah which is yeah. i think translates to something like the counter-terrorism border police or something like that yeah. um yeah. but very cool watches um so I did some Googling on them and effectively the automatic ones have a 25 uh, joule movement, ETA movement inside. The quartz ones may have the same quartz movement as the navigators, the, the marathon navigators, which is a three hertz uh, Swiss quartz. I think it's like three or four joule movement. And the reason it's three hertz high torque is because of the GTLS, the gaseous tritium luminous syringe um uh system like tubes effectively um because they're so heavy on the hands the 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 motor in the quartz um movement has to basically you know move those hands so it's got to be a high torque movement very cool very Very cool uh pretty watch as well Yes, Pretty very, much. very nicely designed. Uh, 200 meters water resistance, I believe, across all the whole line. Uh, and yeah. I think, mate, to be honest, it's just down to your size of your wrist, whether you're going to go G-SAR, T-SAR, or J-SAR, as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the SAR 
is important because obviously that kind of tells you the kind of people that it goes to search and rescue. Yeah. So um, the Canadians use them, uh, the American Air Force use them, and I believe the Coast Guard as well. Um, yeah. But it's those kind of individuals that are actually issued those watches. Um, and well, rightfully so. I mean, yeah. listen, this is the type of watch, guys. If you run out of ammunition, you can take it off and throw it at someone, and you're probably yeah. going to take them out. Um, they are serious bits of kit, um, extremely well built, extremely well respected, mm-hmm. um, and you know, cracking pieces, but they demand a price. These things do not come cheap. Uh, they're not no. ridiculously priced, um, but for a marathon uh, and potentially a style of a watch that you may never hear of, it's a lot of money. It is uh, a lot of money, money. Um, but they're cool nonetheless. And from what I've seen, mate, over the last few years, they seem to hold their value quite well. Um, so I don't think it's a flash in a pan thing. I think these things are there and, and the pricing is going to be the pricing for a while. Yeah. So if you do want to pick one up and enjoy it, I don't think you need to be fretting in case you lose money. I think it's just going to mm. do its thing. Um, and, you know, if and when the time comes that that needs to move on and, and go and live with someone else, you I'm fairly confident that you'll get the lion's share of your money back out of it as well. Yeah. And you're going to enjoy yeah. it quite a bit without, without I, fretting. Yeah. I also think, mate, uh, an element to that is Marathon have been quite clever. I think for the past couple of years, they've been a bit quiet on social media. But if you go onto their social media pages now, they're actually kind of pushing out stuff like competitions and, you know, they're, they're being a bit more engaging with the community, as it were. And mate, I, and, we saw them the other week on The Old Guard on Netflix. Uh, yeah. So they're getting their stuff back into film and TV now, uh, where it should be. So the old guard, if you haven't seen it yet, is a, a U.S. Marine um, detachment, and they're all wearing... Um, and navigators, yeah. Yeah, navigators, U.S. Navy navigators. Again, really cool watch. Um, if, if, if you're that way inclined, go and find one of them. They're, they're, they're pretty epic. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Marathon plays a huge part, mate, particularly in the U.S., mm-hmm. Canada, um, and they're cracking pieces, mate. They really are rugged, hard-wearing, mm. utilitarian tool watches um, that are built um, not for fashion, not for no. buzz or anything else. They're built to perform a job, and yeah. by God, do they um, and, cracking uh, pieces. And as you, as we said, actually, I think all the way through this episode, you know. That's that that watch can only be one thing if you were to see yeah. that in the street because they're so yeah. unique in that design. Um, but yeah, mate, that's marathon, and that is the end of divers for the nineties. Divers. So G ten for men, baby. G ten for men. The G ten for men, or the Prince Harry, as it would later yeah. become known as. Um, so it's exactly the same watch, mate, as the current issue, uh, bar yeah. one thing. The handset was slightly shorter. So yes. when I mean that, the uh, minute hand, guys, on the current ones and the modern issue, as it were, the minute hand basically touches, uh, in fact, it goes over the um, the, the minute marking, the, the railroad minute marking around the edge of the dial. Whereas uh, between 1997 and 1999, there was a short period where um, Pulsar were issued to the British Army. Um, and they had a slightly shorter handset. So that's how you can tell the difference from the face. And also on the back, it's got the standard military markings. And obviously there is um, markings for the years to denote 1997 through to 1999. Um, in terms of specs, like I said, they're exactly the same. So I think they're like a one dual quartz movement in their uh, quick set day um, 
Seiko loom, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, they're rated to 30 meters water resistance, which is nothing. But from our experience, uh, or at least my career, I've seen these things go into some pretty um, intense situations that you wouldn't take a 30 meter water resistant watch uh, and expect them to come out the other side still going. Um, so I actually think it's one of those where they've been rated less but tested for higher. Yeah, under promise and over deliver. Um, definitely. I mean, again, these these are epic pieces, mate. Um, the, the, the G10. You can trace this lineage back, guys, to the date he does. Um, yeah, you, you really can on on the design cues, the styling, and they're built and they're built to last. Yeah. Um, it's not hard to find these online. They're not massively expensive. Um, no. You can get pre-owned ones for hundred. Uh, between 80 yeah. and 120 quid. Uh, and and it depends, depends on the condition. I've seen some properly trashed ones. Um, yep. Because this is it, guys. These things, you know, this isn't a model that you can go and buy from Pulsar on the street. Uh, yep. You know, uh, the fixed lug bars is a big dead giveaway. Um, but I've seen a few of these where these have been battered. Um, in fact, a good follower and friend of the the podcast, Dev Martin, picked one, pick one up about three or four weeks ago uh and the one he got me uh he actually sent me a message about it and asked me should he replace the crystal uh, i told him not to because it looked cool uh, but it's got a massive yeah, scratch across it and you just sit there and go i wonder what that bloke was doing um yeah there is an inherent problem with pulsar as a design though um and I, it's the crown the crowns are not protected on yes. the pulsars. So yes. it's a very small crown. So I think the way that they've alleviated it is have a very small crown and it is ever so slightly recessed. It's not massively recessed in any way. But I think the way that Pulsar looked at protecting the crown was we'll make it so small that you can't catch it on anything. But yeah. obviously then um the British Army took them to uh, on operations to places like Bosnia and Northern Ireland and they did get caught on things. Uh, and Another there guess are what? They caught on stuff. Yeah, and uh, there's a uh, obviously stories of the um, the crowns being ripped off, effectively. But to be perfectly yeah. honest, mate, as you know, I've had a few of these pulsars throughout my career, um, and to be perfectly honest, in the situations that you're ripping crowns out, you're probably in a bit more of a situation than you should, you know, to be worried about ripping the crown out. Uh, yeah. And you you'll find out about that after the fact, you know. So it's not really. Well, that's the thing, mate. I mean, it's. <clears throat> Yeah, you're gonna find out about it after the fact because if you're you're in an environment where you're gonna be popping them out, mate, wearing one of these, then it's pretty mm. hairy, pretty kinetic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose if you could draw back on it, mate, that probably would be the the only thing I would have liked to have seen, either a recess in the case or a screw down yeah. in some fashion on yeah. the crown. Um, because the problem is when the crown's gone on these, so is your water integrity. Yes, one hundred percent is gone. It's gone on you these. Know what I mean? so, um, Apparently, the they had a few examples, and I don't know how to this day that you can make this happen. Uh, but apparently, sometimes the crystals popped off on the very early 1997 ones. Um, interesting. Well, which is interesting because the only thing that I can imagine that would enable that to happen would be, you know, pressure. So are they taking them, you know, were they trialed with the air force, as it were, and taking them really high, then, you know? Potentially, it was moisture got in through the crown, and then. Mm. Um, the water has turned to gas, which has yeah. created volume and pushed the 
push. Yeah, I don't know. Weird one. It's a very weird but, one. So they're, they're acrylic crystals, mate, on these? Uh, mineral glass, actually, mate. So really? um, it goes back to it. You know, it's a proper, uh, you know, military tool watch. You know, we've gone from mineral gra- glass over sapphire because mineral glass will take a scratch and, and, and maintain its 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 integrity. Uh, yeah. I mean, unless you take them up to such an altitude where they start popping off, but yeah. it's still going to yeah. pop yeah. off in one piece. You know, so there's not shards, you know, where it's brittle like a, a sapphire. And that's another reason, mate, why I told Dev Martin not to remove his and replace his crystal on it is because, you know, that survived a proper hard knock. So it's got a bit of a story to it. Um, but yeah, they're mineral, mineral yeah. glass crystals, which is actually, mate, when you look at it on paper, better than what the, the CWC G10, um, which is issued, was issued, had because they were acrylic glass, uh, yes. acrylic crystals, because obviously that's plastic. You know, so if you look at it in terms of glass or acrylic yes they both have their you know different pros and cons but on paper one would probably say let's go for the mineral glass over the acrylic uh, crystal um but yeah that's just interesting isn't it to see the kind of similarities between both models um and the differences and if you get a cwc g10 and a pulsar g10 next to each other you can see there's massive differences um yes but huge amount. what what I like, mate, about the Pulsar is uh, how thick, oh, I was about to say how thick it is. It's not thick at all. It's really thin. It's probably the thinnest military watch that I own. Um, yeah. And it sounds really bad, mate, but imagine getting hold of one of these on the cheap and teaching your child to tell the time. Because Mate, I've said this before. I've said this before. It's, it's this it's is the, the ideal size. Yeah. yeah, yeah, perfect watch, you know. Military watch for kids is perfect. Massive legibility. Mm. They're built to take an absolute pounding. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, um, they've got acrylic instead of mineral or sapphire. Um, or even the mineral is, is is good because the last thing you want to do is a kid falling, um, you know, and, and smashing that glass and bits of glass everywhere. But what a watch to teach kids the time with. Mm-hmm. This is um, going to be my daughter's first proper watch. Uh, is it? Is it, yeah, G10, mate. Um, she's had kid watches before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's getting to an age now. She'll be six this year. Um, so I'm thinking maybe maybe next summer um, I'll pick her up uh, a G10, mate, and, uh, yeah. and get her wearing it properly. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it's I've got every confidence in the world, mate, that that will uh, do her proud. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and she won't be able to kill it. And, and you know what, mate? They're built I, for so much more. Yeah. And I think, mate, after seeing them in places where I've seen them, you know, people are concerned about the water resistance because, like, oh, it's, uh, you know, it's lower than the, the CWC variant. And it's just like, yeah, but you know what? I've seen these things go through drainage ditches in, um, you know, um, Afghanistan. Um, I've seen them survive LFTT ranges in the, you know, in the middle of a storm and all that kind of stuff in places where people, oh, my water resistance on my watch won't survive, you know, being you know me washing my hands at the sink it's bollocks you know what i mean yeah. it'll be fine yeah. it'll be fine so mate i think you know get a get a one when she's like i said in a, in a year or so where she could wear it properly it will survive yeah. the occasional dunking you know what i mean yes it'll just keep going yeah. and you know the other good thing about it is it's quartz you know what i mean it'll, you don't need to even worry about it or teach her how to wind it and overwind this it you know what thing. i mean yeah it's just thing. keep ticking it- Exactly that. Uh, it'll, it'll, mate, she'll, you know, the, the life a kid lives, mate, is, is rough and tumble, uh, and this will mm. take it. 
Um, and that's exactly what we need. It's exactly what we want. So, mm. uh, yeah, huge proponent mate for military watches for kids. Um, and as far as field watches that are sensibly priced, uh, G10s are best, uh, definitely. Yeah. And also, mate, I, th- I think a bit like all of these watches, I think it is a bit of a sleeper watch. I think this is potentially going to be a bit of a future classic when, you know, just just for what it is. And I think I think the reason for that is is because you can't buy them on the civilian market. This yeah, model. So, yeah, that's a fair point, mate. You, you know what I mean? You can't pick them up it, officially. It has, you can get yeah. them pre-owned, but you can't get one brand new. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I just think it's cool, a cool little watch, you know. So. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. Buy um, one for your kids. Go and buy one for your kids um, and yeah. yourself. You could share it. That's what I'll yeah. be doing. Yeah, um, it's, it's cool. In fact, mate, it'd be interesting to see how small it looks on your massive wrist. <laughs> that's a very, very good point. A very good point, mate. So I, uh, I had the opportunity to get one issued, mate, um, uh, through a flamboyant or uh, a, a bit of a cavalier conversation. Right? Oh yeah. I, uh, I I told someone that there's no way you can get a watch issued from Pasa. They're like, yeah, okay, come on, I'll get one. I'll get you issued one. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a Jedi mind trick. It wasn't. Um, but when it came to the crunch, and I found out it was a pulsar. Uh, the snob in me, Tim, I knows about it, um, which is one of the biggest uh, regrets I've got, mate, of not getting one because I had a Tissot on my wrist at the time mm-hmm. in all my grandeur. Um, and I believe my Tissot was far superior to this uh, G10 in every way. Um, mm. And I, I walked away from the opportunity, mate. And now I'd like to kick myself in the face for doing so. Um, because that's your inner watch nerd now saying I mate, wish I had that watch because where would you have taken that mate the stories that that would have had it just would have been an interesting piece do you know what I mean I'd have a watch I got issued during my time uh, mm-hmm. because as we've said before it's very difficult to get issued watches guys um, it was just um, I happened to have um, you know the, the stores guy um, in my mess on the ship um, and yeah, I was a little bit closer than most probably would have been, but um, yeah, weird one, weird one nonetheless, mate. Um, my little tangent there for it, mm. uh, but yeah, cracking piece, um, epic, um, for teaching kids how to, how to tell the time, but also yep. equally epic, mate. Um, you know, to hold its peace in, in British military watchmaking history, um, yeah. and and yeah, again, they do not get the credit they deserve, um, they're still in service. Yeah, um, they're, they're still out there, mate. You can still get them, um, and and they just do their thing. So yeah, if you can pick one up, guys, get one. I, I do recommend the G10. Yeah, so do I. So do I. And I, as as you know, mate, I'm a big advocate because it's actually on my wrist right now. Indeed. So uh, so yeah, um, and also what's really cool is you know if you want to go for the shorthand version and get an early version, you know that's another one where it kind of stands out a little bit. Even yep. towards the, uh, the the current issue with a longer handset, um, yep. but mate, that's the 1990s. We've completed the 1990s. the 1990s. Boom, lovely jubbly. Um, you know this new format, mate. We're getting through thick and fast. Um, yeah. But I think we're um, we're doing it in a right way, mate. We're 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 certainly acknowledging um, the ones that need acknowledging um, and, and giving a bit of depth and history to them. As always, guys. Um, you know, if you want to know more, uh, either DM uh, me or Dan or jump on the old Google machine um, and, and take yourself on a little uh, little adventure 
uh, whatever you do, do not Google uh, the 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 Tito Sacralanus. Um, that is fictitious. I made it up. Um, uh, I don't know what you'll pull back on a Google search. Yeah, it won't be fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it won't be fun. <laughs> as always, thank you very much for listening in um, to to me and Dan talk military watches. I suppose that leaves us now, mate, with a bit of a an off-topic uh, top tip of the week, or uh, you know, how do we word it? What's the wording for it, mate? Closing notes, mate. Closing notes. There we go. Closing notes. So, um, being that I'm rabbed in on, mate, I'm going to be as bold as I can be and say I'll go first. Do it. Um, and for me this week, um, it is Eurovision. Um, Netflix, Will Ferrell, comedy, Eurovision. What more do you need to know? Um, what a film. Um, don't get me wrong, don't expect a gladiator. Um, but after you've been at the sewing machine for nine hours and you want to go in and just turn your brain off and watch something else, this was just what the doctor ordered. Um, funny little uh, funny little film, mate. A bit of a parody on, on the old Eurovision Song Contest. For those of you in the, in the US who've probably never, ever heard of it, um, it's a contest that typically happens every year. Um, other than this year, these for obvious reasons, uh, where all the European countries, including Russia and the likes, um, submit one person from their country um, into a song contest, not dislike the voice or the X factor or America's got talent or Britain's got talent. Um, and these people battle it out um, in a singing competition. And it's gone on forever. I think it yeah. started... I don't know when, mate. It's got to be a 60s and 70s. This thing kicked off. And yeah, the, about. What, what's really funny, isn't it, is that all the singers are crap. Yeah, Firstly, I just, want to throw it, I just want to throw it out there. Guys. It's shit. But the best bit about it is, is the fact that you'll get English families or British families will sit down every year and watch this, knowing yeah. full well that we ain't going to come anywhere near the top, right? Everyone hates us, mate. Everyone hates <laughs> us. Right. But what's really funny, guys, is that we talk about, you know, it's Eurovision and it's funny to see where the countries align because they're basically, it's all the ex-Soviet slash eastern bloc countries will just start voting for each other and it's every yeah. year without a doubt you know that it's going to be a soviet or eastern bloc country ex-affiliated country that's going to win because of those old political ties every single time I'm and sure greece has won a couple of times well yeah you're right i mean it's a lot you know of georgia I mean? or yeah. the ukraine or whatever or else it's Latvia or whatever but yeah, the yeah. best bit is it, it's like you said it's it's all crap like Mate, even Where the guys they, we send yeah. the crap. Exactly, uh, exactly. Everyone's crap. Everyone no. else, it's like you find the funniest, shittest people in the world and send them to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Will Ferrell has obviously got on to the fact of uh, how comical this is it and is. he's decided to make a film uh, about it. Um, and yeah, guys, it's epic. A lot of it's filmed in the UK, in Scotland, um, in Edinburgh. Um, and it really is filmed in Edinburgh. I know some of the streets that they're on. And the best bit is, mate, is that some, some of the winners end up going on like a world tour and getting records signed. And it's just brilliant because they're one hit wonders. You'll never hear of them again. And then 30 years later, that person will come back for a comeback tour. And people are like, oh, yeah, where did he come from? Oh, yeah, Eurovision. Oh, yeah, I remember that. There'll be a button, you know, mate. Or yeah. Like that. <laughs> or they end up with Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Who's this person? Yeah. Oh, they won Eurovision oh, yeah. in uh, 84. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's me for the week, mate. Uh, closing notes. Uh, if you want to 
just feed some junk food to your brain. Um, go and go and enjoy that uh, vision of excellence on Netflix. Um, it's it's thrillingly um, just. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a word for it, mate. I can't think think of what it was. Uh, junk food TV, probably. Oh, uh, mate. You can it's just, just it's sw- yeah, switch off brain and watch, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah but exactly. The thing is, the thing is, mate, is what's really funny is that that film is probably shorter than the real Eurovision Song Contest because that well, goes mate, on for hours. There wasn't one in 2020, um, so there was no Eurovision this year. Um, so this film has come out and it set mm. itself in 2020. Oh, um, nice. I like that. Unofficially, this is, this is Eurovision. Eurovision 2020. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it anyway. Will Ferrell, um, um, you know, put himself in, in but, for it. So, like anyway. I said, it doesn't, it doesn't last like six to eight hours like the real Oh, one. God, no. Or, or uh, no, certainly not. Um, so, so, yeah, that's Eurovision, guys. Um, do head over to Netflix and, uh, and enjoy the wonders and, and the comedic delights of Will Ferrell in all his glory. Um, what have you got, Dan? Mate, so I've got another podcast. So I've been listening to a podcast called the Jet, or uh, called James Bond Radio. Now uh, it sounds a lot very spy-y, but actually it's not. It's quite entertaining. Uh, it's basically very similar, mate, to us. So obviously we're a lot of we're a couple of watch nerds talking about military watches to people who like military watches. These guys are James Bond nerds talking about everything to do with James Bond to James Bond nerds. Um, okay. Which is really, on the face of it, you know, I mean, again, I'm talking to people who like our hobby, so therefore we're all a bit eccentric. They will probably enjoy this as well. But from the face of it, you sit down and kind of go, there can't be much to talk about James Bond. But there clearly is, because this podcast has been going on for years. But what's interesting is the fact that they don't just have interviews with people who have been in the films and all that kind of stuff, or reviews of certain films or characters, all that kind of stuff, and the way they look at it. But what's quite cool is that the latest mini series within this podcast has actually been um someone reading um the book moonraker so each episode is a couple of chapters or a chapter and they analyze it at the end you know and they talk about certain things you know and and i guess how they would portray that again if they were to remake moonraker but what i enjoyed about it is guys effectively you can get the book you can listen to the book moonraker for free you know what I mean? Because uh, it is oh, the, going to be the full yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just a it's just a cool um, podcast, mate. You know, it's done by again a group of enthusiasts, and it's just a group of enthusiasts about a slightly different topic to what we're in. We, we're enthusiastic about. So um, yeah, you know, if you like James Bond, you like fast cars, you like James Bond villains and James Bond girls and all that kind of stuff, go over and check it out. Mega. Mega. Well, guys, listen, thank you. That was the 90s. Um, thanks for, for listening in, as always. Um, uh, next week, uh, we will be getting into the noughties, um, which will be fun and games. Uh, it won't be long, and we'll be up to speed. Um, I've also had some comms with Elliot Brown this week. Um, Have you? And, yeah, it looks like we're going to get uh, Ian uh, in all his glory, mate, jumping on Fantastic. in the next few weeks. I look forward um, to it. So that'll line up quite nicely. Um, Ian probably doesn't know that yet. Alex actually volunteered him. Uh, to do it. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so, nice. Ian, uh, I'm I'm sure you're listening somewhere, mate. Um, get ready. Um, we're going to uh, we're going to get you on, mate, and uh, and talk um, about uh, the Holton um, in, in in great depth. So yeah, guys, as always, thanks for listening in, and for me, same time next time. See you later. Bye.